0: As we consider the state of his church today, uh, I want to read a couple scriptures for us. They both come from the farewell speech of Jesus, as Jesus is imparting his last words to the disciples, and then really, uh, by extension, either kind of implied or directly, uh, as we'll hear, to us, as he is setting the disciples up to carry on what he has begun At the beginning of that farewell speech in John, in John 14, verse 11, we read, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And then this remarkable thing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Then near the end of that speech, Jesus offers a prayer. My prayer is not for them alone, just, not just Jesus' current disciples, but I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for these words of Scripture. And we pray that as we hear the words of Scripture, we might hear also the living word, Jesus, speaking directly to us who is church today. And as the church gathers around the world, may we be a movement of those who are blessed to be a blessing, united in our ability to be loved and to love. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, appreciate you getting here despite the cold, and uh, it is uh, it is cold outside, uh, and and hopefully we'll all stay safe. Uh, Had uh, somebody looking out for me, uh, one of our you know kind of church ladies uh, on Thursday came by and said she was concerned about me and offered me uh, something, so I caught a picture of it. Uh, She said, I was more than uh, able to wear her hat anytime I needed to, and I have plenty of hats of my own. She thought that she was being real cute, a little bald joke, yeah, okay. Uh, But I certainly, certainly love Sally, actually. She's always stirring stuff up, and so there you go. Hope you will stay warm, whatever it takes, as well. Uh, And uh, sort of as a chance to remind you that there are ways to serve around this. And I posted this on my Facebook, but there is a a warming shelter kind of plan set up for people who don't have a place to go. And there are some volunteers needed for two- or three-hour shifts on Monday and Wednesday. And um, you can email Hotel Inc. basically go to their their website or find uh, their contact or go to uh, Rondell Miller directly. And her email is director at hotelinc.com. Uh, One of the many ways that we we try to serve, and we'll pray for those who don't have a place uh, that is warm. Today is our state of the church uh, kind of address, so to speak. Now, we do that different than the government does it because this is uh, not just a political process but a spiritual one for us. But there is a place for kind of naming where we are and where we've been and where we're headed. Uh, So if you're new, this is normally where the sermon goes. It's a bit like a sermon today, but I'm going to give you a little bit more of... Peeling back the curtain, give you some information. And then when you go, we're going to hand up you a publication that has some of that information in it uh, and some things that might help you as you kind of think about our life together. Uh, and, um, and hopefully in that, um, I'll, I'll be able to kind of help bring you into some of the kind of spiritual conversation that we're having as a church. So if you're newer, then you get a sense of who we are. And if you're leaning into our mission, this is kind of what we do at the some of the, what we do at the beginning of the year to help you find points of engagement. Uh, and so, to do that, uh, as we kind of think about the the state of the church, I want to tell you a story. So, this is before the pandemic, maybe a year or so. And I remember uh, because I remember thinking back and thinking uh, kind of what transpired that day would never have happened during the pandemic era. It's pre-pandemic. We were at the swimming pool, which was basically a daily occurrence for us when our kids, our boys were in high school, and uh, in different capacities, taking kids to practice, and then, you know, kind of how it goes hey, will you join this board, and will you be on this thing, and will you volunteer in this way? And they, they just reel you in until uh, Jenny was the president of one club, uh, part of the, the high school part, and I was a president of the club, and we we're like, we're both in charge of this. How did we get here? and has anybody here ever set up for a swim meet? I know some of you some of you have, right? So it's pretty intense. It's all it's all volu- it's all parent volunteers. The all those touch pads have to work by us setting it up. Like there's nobody else that, that does that. Every little bit of it including the sound system, which is always, unfortunately, the biggest trick. None of us are professional sound people, and it's not—it's a cheap sound system, but you need it to make announcements with a microphone, and more importantly, to play the national anthem at the beginning of the meet. And it's always a question mark. Essentially, it was my phone or Jenny's phone usually plugged to this little cord that you hope works, to this system that you hope works, to a speaker that you hope works. Uh, and so it's sort of, you know prone to failure. And it would happen every once in a while. And you know, you you got Carrie Underwood teed up, the best singer, doing the best version of the Star-Spangled Banner. And when, it's, when it goes well, it, it's great. But a lot of times, it did not. And on this particular day, it was a big swim meet. There were a lot of teams. The the, the, the place was full. 300 people crammed into the concrete walls of the swimming pool area. And Jenny is teed up to play the Star Spangled Banner, and it doesn't go. And that awkward silence where everybody sort of tenses up and... Um, what happened next is truly remarkable, partly because um, it took some courage. Uh, J- Jenny, we talked about, us uh, share the story. I said, I'm going to share the Star-Spangled Banner story. and She said, are you going to share about when you and Laura had to sing the Star-Spangled Banner because you lost a bet? I said, no, not that one, the other one. <laughs> uh, and it was, um, uh, basically, uh, I, Jenny had the microphone. She said, uh, and I don't know why she s- had the courage to do it. She said, you know what, if I sing this, will you sing it with me? Now, some things about that. Jenny can sing, right? So there's that. But y'all, she never remembers the words. Like, (laughs) none of them. They'll they'll be up here in front of her. She just, whew, she's like lost in worship. And like, it sounds beautiful. It's like, makes no sense, right? We have story after story after story of things that uh, she's singing, we have to say, honey, that's, it doesn't say radio says, it says Re- ready yourselves. I mean, just kind of like different, different things like that. And I'm, I'm watching from the bleachers thinking, this is going to be interesting. Because I don't know if I would remember all the words to the Star Spangled Banner. Miracle of miracle, she got every word right. But that wasn't the real miracle. The real miracle was, we had played Carrie Underwood's version of the Star Spangled Banner, you know, countless times but that version compared to what happened in the room that day it's uh, what happened that day was a hundred times better because everybody began to sing and you know the acoustics in the pool with all those concrete block walls you know sort of it started resonating and it was like the heavens opened up I mean like you started getting like chills, as pe- and then when you you know it was sort of fed into itself, people kind of realized, oh, this something's happening here, and they kind of like we all kind of leaned in, and like you see people kind of wiping tears, and it was, uh, and then it got louder, and when it ended, you know what you usually do is you know clap. When it ended, dead silence. Like we all had been invited into something, and something unexpected had happened. I think this is a metaphor for the church for, for several reasons, and I just kind of want to name a few of those. One of those is in the words of Jesus when he says, may you be one as the Father and I are one. It, it points to how we are, that, that story, points to how we're made for connection, and when we connect with one another in a shared mission, there, there, a lot happens, right? We, we are made for that kind of togetherness. And anytime it truly happens, we immediately know that it is—it's it, it, special. Now, what we learned, uh, you know, about choirs during the pandemic, and one of the things we missed was that uh, when choirs, when people sing together, their hearts begin to beat together. Literally, begin to beat together. We are wired in some weird way for that kind of connection. And so, uh, the church is that. Any place where there is loneliness, any place where there is disunity, any place where it causes people to go like this, it is the opposite of our mission, which is to bring us in together like this. And unity is not just sort of like, hey, can we all get along? Unity is central to what we do. In the the second part of uh, the, the teachings of Jesus and that story, where he says the most radical thing, which is greater things will you do, than I did. Now, I don't know if you read that, you're thinking, hmm, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. That's pretty high aspiration, like we're coming together and then doing greater things than what Christ did. And, and um, what I think that means uh, in, in Jesus's farewell speech is that, you know, that thing that I have begun is going to be turned loose in you, and that it's turned loose in ordinary people, uh, and that that aspiration and that expectation guides us, when we kind of will maybe put that expectation on someone else or a leader, Jesus puts it kind of right back on ordinary people, on us. And that's those two expectations, that when we come together, something unique happens, and that Jesus is doing something more than we expected, those are two guiding thoughts of what it means to be part of a church, to, to, to guide our church. Uh, and so I want to tell you some things that I you know, sort of just update you. Again, this is State of the Church, so some things that um, help you understand our mission, where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. Uh, and um, these will, all, all these things are from the publication we're going to give you. But um, the first is our mission, Invite, Grow, Serve. This, our, these words guide our life together. Uh, they are more than just uh, missional words. They are our process Uh, They are our disciple-making process, so that we are invited into something distinctive in our relationship with God and one another, that something transformative is happening in us, and that then we are sent out different, that we are here, we discover that we're here to serve. And our vision statement comes out of that mission, that we dream of a contagious community of hospitality where all people are welcome into a family of faith that we dream of a life-giving community of growth where hurts are healed and where faith is restored and where people become fully alive. This is a vision for your thriving. And then we envision a selfless community of action, extending hope, not just by words, but also in deeds, extending hope to our community and our world. And if that is happening in some way in you, then you are living into that that vision. We are setting that as the expectation for all of us. And you know, where where you are in the process and how that how that plays out is different and unique and beautiful as it is for each of us. But we're committed to creating a place where that can happen. I'm committed to creating a place where it is both safe and brave, the way I, I talk about it, where um, there's no guilt, there's no shame. This is a place where you can come and heal and explore faith and have questions. And wrestle through and not always have the answer and not be indoctrinated and not kind of come from a legalistic place or a moralistic place but in a relational place invited into relationship with God and us in a way that's healthy so that then you can find the place where you can be brave and one of the things that we're seeing coming out of the pandemic is that people are coming to us with that kind of courage with that kind of hope and wondering how that might play out in a community of faith it's just remarkable and some people having done so after uh, maybe some hard things in their lives. And all of us having been through some stuff. So the last three years have been a bit challenging. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, there have been, The last three or four years have been kind of challenging for all of us and for the church. Uh, and so as we think about that mission of invite, grow, serve, and that vision of uh, it playing out, uh, there has been a bit of a realignment around Our mission at Broadway. I think it's safe to say, you kind of wonder what has happened here. Um, A couple things. One, the pandemic disrupted churches everywhere. And there's sort of a great kind of realignment that has happened out of it. Um, As we think about what it means to be a place where all people are welcome, we had some discussion about that and some realignment around that part of our mission. Some people felt like we needed to do it one way, and some people felt like we needed to do another, and we haven't always been able to come to terms on that. I remember having a discussion with one of our leaders during the pandemic about those wrestlings and about inclusiveness, and uh, he said uh, something that I have taken with me since as we kind of wrestle through the complexities of what all that means and different opinions. He said, you know what? I don't pretend to have that all figured out, what it means to be a place where all people are welcome into a family of faith. But I can't imagine being a part of any community that's less, moving to be less inclusive. And that sort of names our, our space as a church. We, we don't have it figured out, but we're moving closer. We, we, our spiritual language would be, uh, I can imagine a place being less incarnational. We're moving toward one another in the love of Jesus. And as we've done that, uh, God has done some things in us. And one of the things is it's realigned us around that mission. And, and so we've that's kind of our space we don't, we don't always know but we're going to be leaning into the process with God and one another and I'll tell you for me that's, that's been transformative it's it's been part of the grow part of my life as I've learned to trust God and as I've connected more deeply what I've gotten is a greater love for kind of all people even the stinkers even when I'm, even myself all people and we've become a place where we've tried to live into that vision of all people are welcome, no exceptions. And one of the surprises is that is that it kind of applies to everybody. When you say all people, it means all people. One of the groups that we weren't really maybe even had, our, had on our radar at the time three years ago was special needs children. But when you become inclusive to all people, guess what happens? You can become inclusive to all people. And special needs kids, about one-fourth of our kids in KidZone these days are kids with some sort of special need. And we're living into that vision together where all people could be welcome. And, um, and it has been part of the growth process in us. Here's another thing that I would name that you probably have deepened in some way in the last three or four years. It hasn't been easy But God's been doing work in a lot of folks, and that deepening is beginning to bear some fruit as we come back together and as God puts the church back together so that we can find the way into service in our world. Some of the uh, celebrations that you'll find in that publication I'm going to share with you. One is that we had 70 people join our church last year, which is a remarkable thing and uh, shows some of the most remarkable people, let me just say, some of the, the most beautiful people are coming to our church Um, Our average attendance last year was 818. And numbers kind of tell you part of a story. So we include those, but it's not the whole thing. But what you see in that graph is that that there's growth there. And you see that uh, around 2021, our average attendance before the pandemic was about 1,000. And so you can see there was a hard reset. And you sort of have to admit that sometimes in life, not all arrows are up and to the right. Sometimes you have downturns, and we've had that. And, um, and yet there's growth. You see the next two um, graphs show the same thing actually in our KidZone attendance and really kind of the way we've rebuilt KidZone coming out of the pandemic. And the beautiful things that are happening up there with Pastor Lewis and Christina, even um, le- helping lead on beautiful volunteers, doing wonderful things up there. And then our youth attendance the same way. Again, attendance tells you part of the story. But I think it's safe to say that in terms of overall numbers, uh, we are about 80 to 85% of where we were before the pandemic. And um, it also shows that we kind of went through something and then have begun to grow again out of that. Our, um, this next picture is a beautiful one, description of our Vacation Bible School. Often we have a picture of all the kids. This is, each one of those feathers is a prayer that our kids made during Vacation Bible School. And then we put that together to represent the possibility of God working in our kids' lives. And that focus and, and, and emphasis on young people is core to who we are. We have 215 children in our early learning center, and our le- early learning center, sometimes we say we're a church with a preschool, and then sometimes we say we're a preschool with a church, depending on maybe which day you're, you're showing up. Um, but the dynamics between our early learning center and our church are so beautiful and healthy, and a lot of, of what God is doing is in that space as well. We had 18 people baptized last year. And we celebrate every single one of those, whether they were babies or children or adults. We take up a dollar difference offering every Sunday, and we say a dollar makes a difference. Well, it does. So $40,000 was given just through loose dollar bills through our church. It's pretty remarkable to different parts of our community and community partners. One of the things that comes up as we think about the state of the church, you often hear, was how does stuff get done? And if you show up on Sunday morning, you might you might not know like what's going on behind the scenes. And so this next picture shows you our leadership structural structure. We have 25 people, sort of a representative democracy. These are lay people whose calling it is to help. Uh, the administration or the the discernment of the church as they they lead us. And then there are three main subgroups. SBRC stands for Staff Parish Relations Committee. So overseeing our staff and um, the finance committee, that seems pretty obvious. But in the church world, that is good stewardship of the resources that the people have given. And then our trustees, which are overseeing our building and those people are chosen through a process at the end of the year, and we pray over them and equip them to serve each year, uh, and that they have been getting together here at the beginning of the year and are uh, beginning their work. If you are one of those leaders and one of those teams, would just raise your hand where you are? See, get, see, you're kind of scattered around, and we want to thank you for your service and your work and your guidance for us as it really does guide our life. The other thing that you will find in the publication that you might want to hold on to that thing for is the staff. Sometimes we hear, like, hey, who does what? And so we ask each staff member to list three or four bullets of what they do. And we have a picture of them and what they do. And you're going to have that in your hands. And so this next picture just kind of shows you uh, some of the... um, ways that our life is structured as we are guided by our staff. The staff's main role is to equip lay people for ministry, but it takes a strong staff to be able to do that. And during the pandemic, our staff really, in a lot of ways, held the place together with duct tape when we couldn't have quite as many people volunteering. But our goal is and will always be to equip lay people to volunteer, to serve as the main force of our life together so that the main thing that we do is equip Invite, grow, serve with you. Um, so a few, a few, uh, just two financial stats. One is that uh, last year we had 558 people give to our ministry in a way that we could track. Which, so, when you think about that star-spangled banner, when we're all coming together, everything we do in our life together happens through that act of generosity. And um, throughout uh, the you know the raising of our kids, there be kind of moments where I would say, "Hey, hey, kids!" I, Partly as a dad and as a pastor, I didn't want my kids to grow up in the church and, and see the underbelly of it or have a bad attitude about it. And, you know, sometimes pre- preacher's kids, you know, myself being included, have a reputation. Uh, I would say, hey, uh, I just want to remind you that everything in our life to, in, as a family is given in an offering plate like, or you know, through the church. Like our life is sustained by the generosity of people. And that's true of our whole ministry, and so last year, the next slide shows you, we had given to our ministry 1.65, basically, million dollars, which is a lot of money. I don't know if you, you were thinking that. So a, that's a lot of money. And two-thirds of that goes to our staff. So two, about two-thirds of our budget is staffing. But everything that we have uh, as we come together is, is the, again, a gift of somebody to this ministry. And it's pretty remarkable, you all. It's pretty incredible. And I need you to know that I am grateful. That number, roughly speaking, is about 90% of where we were before the pandemic. So if I told you the attendance was 80 to 85, our giving is closer to 90, which is pretty great. It shows there's work to do. There's, 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 you know, we've had to make tough decisions. Primarily we've managed our budget by not hiring staff back and by watching over every penny. Uh, But through that good uh, financial management, we are coming out of something pretty disruptive into something that's pretty exciting. And that's just another indicator of our life together. I want to close with something, again, that you will see on page, uh, I think it's page three of your, page two of your publication. When you look at it, you're not going to recognize it maybe as our strategic plan, but our leaders have been working on our overarching kind of plan moving forward. And this first picture shows you that. Um, we, I mentioned earlier, sometimes we don't know if we're a church with a preschool or preschool with a church. But we've discovered that in that special mix and in the healthiness of our, our, our relationships in the church, that distinctive thing that we have in this community, that there is something special. There's some th- something that we offer. And this picture captures that. Our, our strategic plan and our vision is called uh, the city on a hill vision, where Jesus said no one takes that light and then hides it. He puts, they put it in, no in, in, uh, on a hill or puts that in the middle of the room for all to see. And so you see those candles in our sanctuary remind us that Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And then that's in the sanctuary, it's in the church, because we think the church has a specific role, a distinctive role in every community, and that is really important that we hold that space down, uh, that, that community space down, that we would be one, just as God and Jesus are one, so that the world would know. And then you see the preschool element, the children's ministry element, which is essential to what we do our children's ministry, our youth ministry, and our preschool. We are a multi-site church with a strong ministry with people, including preschool, and we're considering what that means as we think about our region, and it's, as it's growing, and as the needs have changed, and as we have carved out our niche of invite, grow, serve in our way. One of the things we have done is, uh, about 17 years ago, we planted our Greenwood campus, and that healthy thing went over there. And so what we're looking at now is the growth of our Greenway campus and also the possibility of doing some building over there so that we have more space for church but also for preschool and expanding our early learning center or preschool offerings over there. Uh, And then about 15 years ago, we began work in the west end of our city and said, what if we thought of the children in another part of our town and really with a different demographic, what have we thought about them as our own kids? And the Foundry was born in partnership with a lot of other churches. But out of that vision, uh, now the Foundry has about 10 years of track record of literally changing children's stories in the west end of our city. I met with the chamber this week, uh, and I said, hey, what are the needs uh, that I'm hearing? What would you say? And, um, and you may have heard this already, but there are two things that our community is worried about as, our, as we're trying to grow. Do you know what they are? I mean, you all are in it, so you know. One is housing, and there's no, almost no way we're going to keep up with the housing demand. But the number two thing that, that we're worried about is our engagement with children, with daycare, preschool, early childhood. And I just wonder if you know of a church that maybe is already in that a little bit. And so our leaders are considering what that means and how we might be able to offer help. Uh, we do that in four ways. One is distinctive community, I mentioned earlier. This, As we think about our strategy, this is the core of it. If you're in a small group, you are modeling the thing that Jesus did with his disciples, that deeper, deeper relationship, that love and care, and whole sharing of life. We talk about our generational legacy uh, as we raise up young people. To see themselves as disciples of Jesus, this will always be an emphasis for us. This picture, next picture was from last Sunday, our youth band leading worship right over here. Just as a little reminder that we're doing this in lots of different ways. The third thing is community development. We have learned a process by which we engage not just to drop in and kind of fix a need, but to build relationships and over time be part of true transformation. Some years ago, someone said that they thought the church should be doing less of that, that that really wasn't the church's role, which I think is also some realignment we've had around the serve part of our mission. Not everybody is thinking that that's what the church should be doing. Some of us, um, I I think, do think that. And, um, And so my response to that several years ago was, you know, I think the church has a role to play that nobody else can do. That, that, that maybe the other groups are doing different things, but we bring something unique to the equa- equation because we are uh, trying to embody the love of God. And finally, we envision a movement of servant leaders. Ultimately, the greatest gift to our community is you. You being brought into this thing, invited in, Transformed and then sent out to serve. As we think about all the places we already are and where God is already at work, the, 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 the thing that maybe transforms us the most is the realization that that is where the impact is and that the calling is on each of us. Think back to that star-spangled banner story for a second. The one thing I failed to mention was, uh, in all of that was that there was someone who decided to step forward. Happened to be my, my wife. And it's always good to tell a story where your wife, you know, is the hero of the story. So I'm just hoping that, you know, gets, gets some points for that. I feel like I maybe just ruined it, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it does take someone realizing I'm here. And, and, and it is a story about how one person can transform the environment around them. What does that? Knowing your story. And in the next year, we're going to be connecting your story to the story of Jesus very intentionally. You'll hear more about that. What does that? Intentional leadership formation. And our leaders yesterday, our our council, uh, had this big discussion about what it would be like to unleash a movement of servant leaders into the world. And it involves kind of getting in there and each of us knowing how God has called us and then equipping each of us and doing the work. And then deploying those people and sending them out. And so um, as we come to our offering time, I want to just invite you to think of yourself that way. You're essentially what it means to be a disciple is that we are together a movement of servant leaders called and then equipped and sent to serve. And as our ushers come forward, it is a reminder that we begin each week out of gratitude for God's goodness to us. It's part of how we do it different, as part of what makes us distinctive in our community. So as our ushers come forward and as we begin to come back to a time of worship, I want to offer a prayer for us, and we're going to be praying this prayer uh, over the next several weeks. It is the prayer of St. Francis, and I'm going to pray it over us today, and then it'll be, it be on our uh, lips together uh, in the weeks ahead. But as you come to a, a moment of prayer and as we come to offering, let's pray together. Lord, would you make us instruments of your peace? In every place where there is hatred, may we embody your love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved, but to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.